Coming to you from the Underground Studio, this is the Sipping Social Podcast. My name is Mike Carl. I'm here with my boy and certified bourbon steward, Garrett Turnquist. Yo. We also have our stellar producer on the mic, Johnny. Say what up. What's up? We're here to dive into all aspects of the restaurant industry. We truly love what we do and more so we love talking about it. We're going to pour, sample, review anything you need to know about. Pour yourself a cocktail and join us on this journey. Let's Let's go. go. Podcast number 15, boys. Uh, We're sitting here with a special guest today. I'm excited to be talking to him. Garrett and I had the pleasure of brewing with him in Naperville at his brewery. Uh, He's the head brewer and production manager at Salamote. His name is J.P. Vanderveen. Thanks for joining us, J.P. Cheers. Awesome, man. We're excited to talk to you and learn about you. Let's talk about what we're sipping on before we get into the podcast. And uh, Garrett, what you got? I got the discontinued Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Nice, Johnny. Nice. Well, JP must have been listening to our podcast because he got me a special delivery of Coors Light. Oh, <laughs> That's yeah. what Cheers. I'm sipping on. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful. What you got, brother? I've got the old Bartstown. Yeah, 90 proof. Willett Distillery, delicious. We reviewed that last week. And uh, I got the Eagle Rare that I'm sipping on. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Johnny. I cheered you, Johnny, but it doesn't make any sound. I know, just tin yeah. can. Mm. That Eagle Rare is tasty. <laughs> it is really good, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, for all you listeners out there, please check us out on Instagram. Check out our um, the merchandise that we'll be putting on our website. We did just get a shipment of hats in. Talk to Garrett or myself or Johnny. Text us. We have some big, exciting news we're going to talk about at the end of this podcast regarding some future stuff that we have coming out. Uh, really excited to talk about that, but we definitely want to focus on our guests mainly while we're sitting here with them. But let's talk about some uh, restaurant news that's happened in the area. One of our favorite restaurants in a place we all got to know each other, Irish Pub in downtown named Muldoon's, or to some people who don't know how to pronounce it, they call it Maldoon's, which always <laughs> annoyed the crap out of me. Uh, but uh, that place closed on Monday, and it's kind of been a sad couple of days. I've, I've reconnected with a lot of people since I worked there. I worked there for 14 years, and uh, it's just kind of a strange uh, closing of a chapter in my life that I wasn't quite expecting. Yeah, how do you personally feel about that? I mean, you've worked there 14 out of the 17 years. Well, I moved on. I didn't work there for two and a half years, yeah. so I kind of thought that moving on with the company that I work with now, which I love, I, I didn't think that I would miss it at all, but I kind of do. And it's, I think it's more the relationships and the people that I grew to know in there yeah. uh, more than anything else because um, it's just a little bit di- different dynamic being across the street, but still a great dynamic, just uh, completely different because I grew up in there. That's that's where I became what little man that I am now. <laughs> well, well, and I think speaking for myself, like we were friends before that. But we became better friends while hanging out there. So, like, I think it was a place where it almost felt like. Uh, I mean, like it was like definitely a, it was a family like environment. Yeah, it was definitely like the the, the local watering hole. Like yeah, the, cheer, the cheers. I mean, Wheaton. it was the only place in downtown Wheaton for a long time that you could just go and sit at a bar and actually have a few drinks, right? And yeah, I, it's uh, it's it's a shame that it's closing, but uh, hopefully uh, someone can scoop it up and kind of return it to its former glory. I don't know. Um, I know Irish pubs are kind of a dying thing. That's something we really haven't talked about on the podcast, but Irish pubs seem to be going away. Mullins is gone. We talked about that. Muldoon's is gone in the city. There's plenty of Irish pubs, but in the city can support anything. But yeah, it's kind of a... That place was the place where you like go out on a date night or whatever, and then at the end of it, be like, well, what do you want to do? Oh, let's go grab a drink at Muldoon's, and you're guaranteed to run into three or four people that you wouldn't mind talking to. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. People you want to hang out with. I've definitely spent my share of money in there. They had like one of those like frequent diner cards you could have. <laughs> 
you still and have some money on those? I probably. I probably should have cashed something in, but but you can actually look up like how much you spent in your entirety there. So like That's one dangerous. day, like this guy uh, Larson who used to work there printed out my entire dossier of all my cocktails that I've had, there. <laughs> and it was like a mile long. It was absolutely ridiculous. You never want to see how much you spent at a bar. Yeah, well, don't ever you do, do that, that to yourself. <laughs> no, the the hard part is. To, Pulling out your credit card slip and seeing how much you spent that night, <laughs> let alone what you spent the past five yeah. years. The things you could have spent yeah. money on. Unbelievable. Fantastic. But, I mean, a lot of great memories there. I remember seeing the Blackhawks win a bunch. Saw the World Series Cubs win there. Yeah, yeah. A lot of great uh, memories. A lot yeah. of great people come out of that place. So, I got you pretty good with champagne on that night. You got your pregnant wife really good with champagne. Oh, yeah. That's night. for sure. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't let me live that down yeah, either. Nor should she. <laughs> she was like eight and a half months pregnant. Yeah. The the Cubs won it, and I just she went and hid in the kitchen. Full blasted her with champagne. <laughs> were you working there at the time? Or? No, definitely drinking. Yeah, we were, yeah, we were drinking heavily. We were. I think we had. Uh, I think I had quit like two years earlier. Other news, uh, restaurant style, actually industry style. We got Buffalo Trace released a bunch of pictures of their new uh, Rick houses. We were talking about a couple weeks ago. Yeah, we talked about how they dumped a whole bunch of money into it and what that means and and how that's going to affect the the industry and how we'll start seeing a bunch more whiskey. Check yep. out their Instagram page because they posted the seven new Rick houses. They're seven million a piece building and they're impressive and they look really cool. Oddly enough, they're all named Rick House H. <laughs> are, are they flame retardant? Uh, no, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> apparently nothing in Kentucky is flame retardant. We've talked about every day as we talked about this, it's unbelievable how every week something, yeah, something, something new goes comes up in out. flames. That's crazy. I want to see how long it took for them to get building permits for that and then who uh, who went through the final walkthrough. And who's the fire marshal that yeah. signed off on it? Because we'll be making fun of that guy in about 20 years. Well, because he probably just got the job, right? Because <laughs> the other, other guys have all been fired. <laughs> He's brand new. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I'll sign off. Yeah, absolutely. This looks great. I can't, I can't be How much money did you put guy. into this? It's fine. It's got to be. We can't. <laughs> got a bottle of lands for me? Sounds good. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. We have discovered a new brewery out of the north, uh, out of Waukegan and Grays Lake, called Black Lung Brewing. We've had a little bit of interaction with them and conversing with them on Instagram. They just reached distribution, so we just want to say congratulations to those guys. They promised to get us some beers, so if you're listening, send us some beers. We want to drink them. We want to try them. We want to talk about them. And uh, good luck to you guys in the next phase of your uh, of your journey. Today, for our beers that we're drinking, which we're going to talk about, or we're going to drink in a little bit, are all the beers, the whole cooler that JP brought. And when Nick brought a bunch of beers, I didn't think anybody could bring more beers. And then I saw the size of the cooler you brought, and <laughs> just, you, de- you definitely brought more I, beers. I brought some to leave behind as well. Okay. All right. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm just, I, I saw it, and now I, I, I should have a picture car. of it. It's, you know, it's, it's fine. <laughs> Sagging in the back of the way here. <laughs> I thought you needed help carrying it in. It I think so that cooler big, had so. wheels. It was so big. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be talking about that in a little bit once we're, uh, we're talking to JP, and uh, we talk to him, and we'll get into those beers. Gee, what's the, the spirit you brought? Uh, we're doing something brand new to the market called Woodenville. They're like 30 minutes northeast of Seattle. Cool. Awesome. Excited to try that and uh, talk about that. We don't get a lot of northwest bur- uh, bourbons up in here. Yeah. It's a, you got to be careful. It's not northeast. Yeah, it's, it's northeast not, of Seattle, but yeah. it's definitely northwest of Chicago. All right. All right. Well, I'm glad, I'm <laughs> yeah. glad you said that. Well, I screwed it up out. earlier. All right. Cool. We didn't talk about this with you before, but we always discuss in our industry, the brewery world being a part of it. We have this this term that we're trying to coin. Yeef. You know what it is. You've listened. <laughs> the first <laughs> I, first guy who's listened to it. Absolutely. Him. This is amazing. <laughs> All right. So you know what it is. So we talk about the yearly in- 
industry ebb and flow, some of the things that affect our restaurants. One of the things for us right now is the fact that Muldoon's did close and it being a pass across the street, definitely seeing an influx of bar business to go along with the, the beautiful days in the patio and the weather never cooperating when it's supposed to. So, Do you notice you're getting a lot of new customers or are you getting more repeats of the same customers? As far as the Muldoon's? Yeah, from them not being around. It's the people that were hanging out at Muldoon's that I knew from before yeah. that don't have Muldoon's to go to anywhere. So, so it's not that they had never come into Burger Social. It just wasn't their frequenting bar place. Sure. You're, what are your hours over there? We're open till 1 a.m. So same it's as Muldoon's. Same as Muldoon's, Muldoon's yeah. okay. Same exact as Muldoon's. And our late night crowd is kind of hit or miss, but I, it's definitely seen a little... A bump up because Muldoon's was the other 1 a.m. bar. Yeah. We'll definitely get that. But some of the people that went into to Dunes at the end are not looking to spend three bucks on a PBR. They want to spend dollar fifty exactly or three bucks with a shot. Exactly. We keep our prices kind of at a, at a price point that is profitable. Yes. Yes, that's, that's a nice a way yes. of saying it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Words out of my mouth, JP. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's it, it's definitely helped us out in the bar side. But I mean, as far as new customers, no, I think that they've all been there. It's just the fact that they don't have their own place to frequent anymore. All right, sweet. Let's uh, let's get into talking to our guest, JP. Thanks for joining us. Yep. Let's go back to the beginning for a moment. I want to ask you a few questions about how this all got started for you. Growing up, were you interested in like science and creating things? I was always very good at math and science, but both of my parents are landscape architects, mm. which is an artistic profession. So I always kind of leaned towards creating things as well. So the brewing industry was kind of a natural progression, I guess. What, like, what made you decide to not do yards and do beer? So my dad's in sales and the hours are terrible yeah. and I didn't want to do that. And my dad's a second generation landscape architect and he just really, I don't think he ever wanted me to be part of that either. So he never really pushed me or he didn't ever give that as an option, I guess. Sure. Well, that's, that's good. Yeah. Um, when did you know you wanted to get into brewing or what kind of, what path led you to get into the, the brewing world? Like I said, I was always good at math. And so I took a very long time to get through college. Eventually I, I landed on business finance because the business classes I had taken always kind of came naturally to me. And while I was doing that, I was going to school down in Denver and living up in Summit County in Colorado. And I had taken a job bartending at a brew pub because I wanted to learn more about brewing because I was home brewing. While I was finishing, or I actually never finished my business finance degree. I'm 12 credit hours shy, which is... Mm less than a semester. (laughs) Yeah, further than I did, so you're good. (laughs) I started brewing and it became a full-time thing and it was definitely something that I wanted to do. And then I got promoted right before I was going to finish college to head brewer of the brewery I was working at and uh, was like, oh, I'll take a semester off to, you know, get my feet on the ground kind of a thing. Sure. I just kind of never looked back. I didn't realize I didn't want to live that suit and tie life. Mm. I don't blame you. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to live that suit and tie life either. No, I think when we brewed with you wearing shorts and a t-shirt, and I was like, that's the best wardrobe <laughs> ever for a job. <laughs> I mean, rubber boots that don't breathe, but yeah. other than that, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. So you were working at a brewery out in Colorado? Yeah, to get through college and to kind of support myself, I have had bartended ever since I was 21. Yeah. Took a job bartending at this brew pub because I was a home brewer that wanted to learn more. And I showed interest to the brewers, and they offered me a job washing kegs and washing tanks. And uh, I moved up within the company. And when my boss moved on to Greener Pastures, he suggested that I take over the brewery. So that's where I learned how to run a brewery. That's how old were you when that happened? So 
I lose track of time because I'm getting old. <laughs> Don't even talk to me about that. <laughs> but what, I was uh, probably turning 30. I was probably 32 when uh, I took over. No, 31 when I took over the brewery. That's pretty awesome. Is it's that yeah. Salamo? No. The, uh, the one in Colorado? In Colorado, yeah. Okay. So is that, that young? Is that old? Is that right in the middle? Um, it really depends. It, this industry is really weird. Is it's all about opportunities. Yeah. If, if you get into a brewery at the right time, somebody could be moving on to something else and leave it to you to run with less experience than somebody that would have applied. But you know the procedures and you know yeah. there's a lot You've of there. tribal knowledge, if you will. A lot yeah. of breweries are trying to get away from that because it becomes difficult to move on from somebody. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. It would be harder to replace people if yeah. you, if it's more just a general knowledge thing as opposed to very specific. So we, we got to brew with you guys, and I wasn't going to talk about this for a little bit, but I, just how meticulous you guys were with everything from your quality screening to checking out the dents in, or checking out the cans to make sure that they're, like, lined properly and, mm-hmm. like, how you guys had... Like, that was nuts. What was that, an x-ray machine that you guys used? So we have a uh, seam suite. It's a digital readout of a lot of different measurements on the can itself. So you take the thickness of the seam itself is one of the measurements you take, and then you take the depth of the cap going onto the can, and then you cut it open, and then you take the different measurements of the actual overlapping seams of the can itself. Yeah, so that's crazy. That's like that's like I like I know what you're talking about because I saw it, but it's like it's like gnarly to like try to picture in your mind, like if you were to like look yeah. sideways at the the lip of the can at like a thousand like percent zoom that yeah. you can like see like the little possible space that air could get through or liquid could come through yeah you, you can literally see the grooves on the aluminum where the blade that cut it open is on the camera yeah that, i mean it's so minute looking at I, I was just like just overall just so impressed by your, your guys' quality of everything and the attention to detail did. yeah attention to detail and it i mean not that you ever think of like brewers as being like oh like nerds yeah nerds or slabs yeah. or anything like yeah. that you know what i mean because you get kind of get but then you like go and see the science of it in the art yeah of it. i mean it's crazy that's what's beautiful about this industry is you can be very good at brewing on both sides of the spectrum you can be a science geek that's really into the science of everything and then you can be just kind of this artistic airhead who's just good at putting things together if you walk in You'd be like, what's going on here? Everything's a mess. Right. But then you taste their finished product, and it's wonderful. So I, I got a question kind of going back to, like, your days in Boulder. So when you, what, do we know the name of the brewery that you were at? So uh, the brewery I was at, it was in Summit County, Frisco, which is right in between Keystone and Breckenridge. It was called Backcountry Brewery. It's since been bought out and rebranded as Highside. My boss is now at Dry Dock. He's the one that left me to run the brewery. Dry Dock. He moved from backcountry to Dry Dock, left me in charge of the brewery. He's making great product out there. And then one of the other guys I worked with, uh, Wes, is down in New Mexico at Rowley Farms. And we actually did a uh, collaboration with him, part of our wild program that we have yet to release. Oh, cool. Just sitting in wood right now. Nice. So you're out in Colorado mm-hmm. and you're working at this... It's great brewery, great scene. It's where you want to be. Mm-hmm. What makes you come to Illinois? So great both, question. <laughs> both my self and my wife are uh, from Geneva. Our family is still in Geneva. Oh, okay. 
So uh, we were talking about having kids, and we're like, yeah, we love where we live, but who's going to watch the kid when we want to go on a date night? And as a brewer, I don't make too much money. So right. having free child care is important. <laughs> you needed <laughs> no. the support. Yeah, it really exactly. is. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. You, you cannot yeah. trade beer for... Yeah, I mean, uh, I can trade beer for a lot of things, yeah. but that's that's a tough ask. <laughs> yeah, not, not to the 17-year-old high school girl that's going to be <laughs> yeah. watching maybe, the kids. Maybe watch the kid, and then I'll give you the case of beer. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So that situation rings kind of true with my brother, because he was out in the, uh, the, the Bay Area in San Francisco. Yeah. We lived out there for eight years. He said he absolutely loved it. He's out there with his wife, and uh, they wanted to start a family, so they came back. Because everybody's here, right? Yeah. They came back for the exact same reason. Yeah. They wanted the support of the family, be around it's everybody. It's a tough yeah. pill to swallow, man. But yeah. it's it, you do it for the love of family, and it's it's all good. We John, our uh, owner, took me out to Big Beers last year. So we did some skiing, and we did some work. We did a collaboration with Cerebral out there. And we're talking about doing it again this year, so or cool. the Big Beers Festival at least. So get some skiing in and oh, nice. scratch that itch. Yeah, nice. right. <laughs> well, you know, it, at least you you know coming to to Illinois, having Salamote. How did you get connected with Salamote? So Eric Cobbs, are um, he just got a different title, the director of operations, I believe, is his title. He's from Geneva as well. We went to the same high school. We didn't overlap in years at all. But we kind of knew of each other. I had my, um, my wife had her bridal shower at Penrose when he was over there. And uh, we had our after dinner, after party, after we got married at Penrose because we got married uh, and then did our party in the park. So we had to be out by like 10. Sure. And we, my family wanted to drink past 10. So <laughs> right. we arranged for that. Nice. <laughs> nice. So you're talking about like your artistic creativity stuff like when uh when it's time for you to like get excited about coming in for a day of brewing what's uh what's kind of beer you're looking forward to doing what kind of beer do you like to make i like all beers it's a kind of cliche thing to say as a brewer but it, honest like i love all the funky wild stuff i brought in some coors light so we could could rate that because <laughs> tomorrow i'm making a american light lager that i'm super excited about cool all of the beers that you really can kind of push a little bit of the boundaries is is fun the american light lager that we're making tomorrow is going is a dry hopped uh lager that we made last year pretty much only released it through the tap room and in wisconsin and this time we're going to release it in illinois as well how do you determine what beer is going to what markets when we were brewing with you guys uh we were on the canyon line helping out can a, a beer that was going to St. Louis? But I don't know. I don't know how much it? helping we were doing. Uh, you weren't helping. No, I was helping. Oh, you were? Yeah, I was. I was like packaging just, it. You guys were like walking cases. around. Yeah, I was. It was helping. <laughs> <laughs> I, I helped stack some cases and put those snap packs on. I didn't do I, any of that. Yeah, exactly. You didn't do any of that. I was doing it, but um, I was doing something else productive. I was asking questions. I think yeah, he was you, learning. No, nah, you were. You guys were outside, not, not helping. No, we no. were all supposed to be standing there helping. All right, regardless, how do you determine what beers? So what a, what a, what for for that one, uh, it was I believe it was the one we did a collab with a brewery down in St. Louis. So we're okay. going to send some of it down there, some of it through our tap room, sort of an introductory to a new market. And that okay. was we were moving into St. Louis at the time, so we wanted to do something that with someone that they knew and were comfortable with cool. uh, while introducing ourselves. Makes sense. Get your name out there, get some good exposure yeah. through somebody who's already uh, got the pipeline down there. Nick was saying that you guys make almost 100 beers a year. Yeah, we uh, we definitely push the boundaries of what our wholesalers 
want from us. So you, you like your books yeah. just to keep track of that, like the different recipes and like what goes into it has to be. Is it yeah. all? Is it all? It's got to be a computerized. Obviously, it's all on a disc or something. It's or? it is and it isn't. Okay. Um, yeah, they don't use discs anymore. I, I did, uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, we we use uh, Google Docs for pretty much everything, and it's great for a free product. But it's it's a free product. It's yeah. not a database, so nothing sure. is connected as well as it could be if we were paying for something. See if you had discs, you wouldn't have to worry yep. about that. You well, take they'd be even you. less connected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about, like CDs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, he's talking about CD-ROMs. <laughs> if we had a bunch of CD... Uh, by the way, Johnny, we were talking about this earlier. <laughs> outdated technology. Is that a VHS player? Oh, yes, it you is. See, exactly. That's what made me bring up this. <laughs> so, Honestly, this is where I come, this is vintage where I, porn. No, this is where I come down, crack a beer, and relive my uh, days of playing football. You watch your high school videos? <laughs> you serious? No. Okay, good. That would be awesome if we had some but, of those playing on the background. Yeah, but he's, he's drunk and like little tears are coming down. But that was on the top of my mind because did like, you guys see that juke? I do have. I, my mom did give me a stack of VHS tapes. She, she found a box at her house. So that was down here to just kind of run through them and see if there's any of value, anything of value. Yeah. And there was nothing. I'm right. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> I only had like three receptions my senior year, so there's not much footage. <laughs> so I do have a question about your testing phase of trying a new beer, right? I mean, you, you guys are basically, when you make your beers, you're, you're, you're using these massive, uh, you know, you're running through a massive amount of beer, right? Yeah. That's... When you go through production phase. Do you have a smaller, like... We don't. Uh, yeah, we don't you know what have I'm saying? A, like we, a smaller, yeah, pilot system. A pilot is what system that would be called. Yeah. Uh, we don't have one of those, unfortunately. It'd be nice because for thirty barrels of beer, we need to have a plan for where all of it's going to go. Yeah, it's like you said, a massive amount of beer. Yeah. So doing something niche like Bach is difficult. We try to plan for them and try to fit them in where we can. Those kind of niche things, but it sometimes they get bumped and sometimes they don't. And it, like usually, those are kind of pet projects for a brewer. Is oh, I want to make this beer. Okay, but where are we going to sell it all? Yeah. So now, it's it's difficult when it gets bumped, and it's it's great when it doesn't. Couldn't you make it like a half batch? Uh, we're we're talking about do, starting to do that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. But is that something where if you have like a home brew kit? I mean, I, I don't know anything about brewing, right? So, like, is it something you can kind of do at your house and scale it up? You know what I'm saying? Like, you can kind of yes. test at home and then... Yes and no. Be more, be more assertive about, like, going through this full run? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can do, you can do that kind of thing. But we kind of look, work long hours as it is. Yeah. If you want to do it properly, it's an eight-hour day at least. Yeah. Yeah, some of us brew at home still, but not, not often. When you get those massive tanks at work, why yeah, you exactly. Use like, your... why am I taking well, no, eight hours to, to make saying, five gallons? No, I, no, to I, test, no, <laughs> to, to test not, the the ingredient before I'm, I'm you go not, to a full not, run. I'm just yeah. saying, like, when you, it's it's almost like for me when I can drink Pappy Van Winkle 23 at work. Why am I going to drink the VOB that I have at home? Because it doesn't cost eighty dollars a pour. Nah, that's not a good. Analogy. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. terrible analogy. It's more like, terrible analogy. It's more like but you spend I, eight hours making what, drinks. I was trying, trying, to, if you're trying to if you're trying to do something unique and something new, right? I, to me, in my mind, it would make sense to do it on a small scale, small batch. Yeah, before I, pumping it I, out. I would say that we, if we're trying to push, really push a boundary and do something like use an ingredient that we have no experience using, or we can't find anyone that's really used it. Before, yeah, probably we would do it at a homebrew scale if we couldn't do it in a pilot system. Mm. Because 
that 30 barrels is a lot to mess up. Yeah. So when, you, uh, when you're done on your shift and it's time to go out for a beer afterwards, where do you like to go? To the tap room because it's free. Okay, when you when the tap when the tap room closes at seven and you've got to leave, where do you go? Sep? I don't know. <laughs> Those aren't accurate hours. It's got to yeah, be at least ten stuff o'clock. Up? Yeah. There was a Yelp review that said they couldn't order beer after six forty nine, so I assumed you guys closed at seven. Yeah, that was he probably got cut off. Probably, yeah. <laughs> he, he hit his limit. Yeah. No, I I live in Geneva, so I like to drink close to home. If we don't have the kid, Barrel and Rye is is a go-to for sure. What a great plug. Yeah. yeah, That place is great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, somebody's doing something right. Yeah, whoever Absolutely. opened that is a genius. Genius. <laughs> genius. <laughs> That's funny. Um, if you were not in the brewing world, is there something else that you're, like, passionate about that you would be doing as, you know, your profession ideal profession that's not brewing i mean honestly i'd probably be making a lot more money in in the business world sure sure because <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't wear shorts and t-shirts i was that close to finishing the degree and going that route yeah so if it wasn't if, if brewing wasn't it you think you would you would finish it up yeah i mean that's that's, that's probably where i would have ended up had okay. i not started brewing all right we're, glad, we're glad you chose the path yeah, that you're yeah on. absolutely yeah me too yeah. I, yeah. i'm I'm sure I'm much happier. And you're, and you're doing good stuff. <laughs> My bank day. account isn't, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. My money's not the, the <laughs> no, end, it's not. The end it's all not. be all for sure. Last question for you. We always do this with our guests. What's your thoughts of the underground studio and the production that we're putting on uh, down here? It's sweet. I really love the straight skis over there. It brings me back oh, to my yeah. youth. There you go. The bar is uh, nicer than a lot of professional bars. That, that's why I always tell people. When I tell people that, they, they have no idea. And then I bring them down and they're like, holy cow, this is much nicer than I thought it was going to be. So it's legit. We feel very fortunate to be a part of this, and uh, thanks for coming on, and uh, let's drink some of your good beer. Yeah. I mean, Coors Light, but... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the good stuff. So let's, uh, let's fire up some of these beers. What do you got here, brother? Yeah. Uh, what do you want to start with? We what, got... Uh, you're, you're the brewer. I definitely... We should uh, start or finish with this this guy. Let's, so you're let's, calling Let's that. start with that. Okay. I got a... Oh. You don't Boom. want to be the nut sack? <laughs> Yeah, let's use the nutsack. Let's use the nutsack. <laughs> Get it on camera, though. Make sure that the nutsack is on camera. We have a kangaroo balls bottle yeah. opener. So uh, this is uh, Hacienda out of Door County in conjunction with Door County Brewery. This is kind of their, their pet project brewery. We did a collab with them recently, and they sent us home with some beers. And this is a sour, fooder-aged saison, dry-hopped with azaka. Uh, Zaka hops, yeah. We're familiar with that. Yeah. We, we used that one time. Yeah. In a um, in Naperville. Mike, did you want to uh, do the honors? I, I hear you're pretty good at this. I, would, I, perfect would, I would like to do, I'll let you do the next one. I'm going to do this one, but after this, I'm going to pass the honors on to you. We'll all be judging. Are these, <laughs> what kind of, what size bottle is this? It's a 500 milliliter. What are, what are we in Europe? Like you're gonna do the calculations in your mind. <laughs> that looks that looks roughly. <laughs> <laughs> that looks. Those first two pours look nice. Yeah, so we got I some mean, sound effects in here. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. beautiful! Nice. Sounds delicious. I think I got this down. Yeah. All right, we'll put these all in here. Yeah, those all look pretty even, Mike. That's pretty good, even, that's John. Good work you can there. have the you can have the short one, John. Less heartburn. <laughs> Um, I, before, we, before we try this, I want to talk about the bottle. The bottle's awesome. You don't see a lot of beers uh, come in this. It, it kind of reminds me of what like a mead bottle would look like almost, something yeah. that's kind of old school, old world. 
Yeah, so we, uh, we're working, yeah, we're working on a, a sour program now, looking into bottling our first uh, product. And this is very similar to the bottle we are hoping to land on. Uh, and yeah, it is basically a type of a champagne bottle. For these types of beers, you want a sturdier glass because you bottle condition them so you can get to a higher carbonation and the glass needs to be able to not explode under pressure. Cool. Hmm. So Makes sense. Yeah. So there's a reason why it is what it is. Yeah, exactly. Cheers, Cheers man. Guys. Thanks for bringing it. Cheers. That's tasty. Yeah. Mm. I get like peach. Yep. So I know Mike's touched on this before, especially with sours. You you want to take more than one sips before you before kind of judge process it yeah. because your palate needs to adjust. Well, I just failed. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's fine, but first sip's pretty good, right? That's tasty. Mm-hmm. The, the second sip's better, Johnny. Oh, yeah. Wait till you get that second. Then the peach really comes out. The first the first sip was really sparkly. Mm-hmm. Second one, nice and smooth, though. Yeah. I get a lot of like lemongrass and... Definitely peach. Not as sour as I what's, thought it was going to be. What's the ABV on this? I do agree. With that first sip, it was almost like a sparkling. Yeah. It, it's uh, just it kind of. Sparkling it, wine taste. Well, almost, it kind of punches you in the mouth a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a mimosa with not uh, an OJ six, in four. it. 6'4". Oh, man. That's, that's it? That, yeah, 6'4". Well, I thought it, was, I, I thought it was going to be lower. In my, like, yeah. in my mind, like how tasty it is and how refreshing it is. Uh, and like brute, champ, like brute IPAs and things of that nature, mm-hmm. this kind of reminded me of tend to be on the lower side and that's that's nice yeah brute the whole idea behind is uh super dry and saison's super dry uh any kind of mixed culture brett culture is going to be a very very dry finish really pairs well with food that's great yeah this is really good good flavor so jp you know a little bit about our rating system because you, you've listened mm-hmm. so you know that we it always expands but that bo- that white oh, yeah. board over there that's like the the gist of it yeah what's what would you do with it on uh on, on that rating skill over there i'd definitely drink it I would drink it again. I would purchase it. I believe this was a gift. I know I didn't pay any money for it. So it was gifted to me and then gifted to you guys. So I guess I would gift it as well, right? Nice. You're re-gifting it. We've re- had a couple of re-gifts. Well, I mean, I'm, at least I'm, I'm indulging with it. But you're, but you're enjoying, it. though. So you're yeah, drinking so. and re-gifting at the same time. Yeah, it's perfect. And what do you give it out of a 10? I would give this a 8.5, probably. It's, cool. it's a very good example of a dry-hopped, fooder-aged Saison. Nice. Johnny, what you got? Yeah, I'm all up in the eights. I would say I get a solid eight. Um, I would definitely buy this. I'm eating zero heartburn after three rumplements, and that's like unheard of. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best endorsement you could ever give it. But uh, seriously, like the fact that it's over seven and a half. Drinks very well. Really nice. Uh, really like the peach taste in there. Definitely would buy it. Buy it? Cool. Gee, what you got? Yeah, we had some pretty good... Uh, beer like this over the past couple of podcasts i think this ranks up there with with some of those other ones too so i i give this one an eight as well and i'm going to gift it cool and then and if they want to pour me a glass i'm not gonna not gonna, yeah. Not yeah. Gonna, yeah you're not gonna complain about that this is right along with the sour we tried from gris house in my mind as far as the flavor with the peaches uh i'm gonna give it an eight as well uh, i know i'm jumping on bandwagons by doing that everybody's throwing the eights around but it's just a solid saison and I'm, i'll be honest with you I don't even really usually go for the Saison style. No. And, and, and this really? is this is Cezanne's something. Saison's one of my favorite styles. It's just, I don't I, I haven't, maybe my palate hasn't grown it's, into it. It's super versatile. Sure. It's super approachable. I guess I, I shouldn't say that because a lot of people don't like some of the flavors that are derived from the yeast. Sure. To me, it's super approachable. Well, th- this is definitely changing my mind about it, so I'm glad you brought it on. But yep. uh, 
This is like solo beer you would have to pay for then? I'm yeah. assuming you just buy yeah. in one bottle? Yes. Probably, I don't know how much they, they're charging for it. Is this available around here? I think so. Yeah. I, I know they distribute down here in Illinois. <laughs> Perfect. So maybe so maybe <laughs> maybe Benny's will have it. Yeah. You had right. another oh. S in there. <laughs> no, fantastic. that's how many S's are in have you spelled? Illinois. Have you spelled it? It's <laughs> <laughs> twelve credits. Perfect. I would buy this. I'd probably buy two bottles of this, and I'd get one to keep one. and one to give. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one to keep and one yeah, to give because sure. I want. I think that this is like a sharing beer. Yeah, and it's, what's nice about the 500 milliliter product is it's it's exactly that. You could have it with just yourself if you really wanted to. To have it with your your significant other, or you could share it amongst friends. I love mm-hmm. it. That's tasty, man. Sweet. What do we got next? Mike, let's do. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting already, Pierce. Get the guy. Yeah, he's getting real excited, giddy. I'm real excited, giddy. man. That was, that was a good start. <laughs> that was a great start. We're gonna do. Uh, let's do Dink Lloyd Wright. All right, cool. So Pineapple Express, Dink Lloyd Wright is a new series that we're experimenting with, which kind of highlights some of the flavor profiles of your favorite marijuana strains oh. with the new passing of the law. For all of you that do the weed. Yeah. To to <laughs> doing the weed. January first. The this is gonna be popular. So yeah. how how does that conversation go when you're like creating something like this? So this this has been a long journey. As far as journey. like naming and like all that yeah. Yeah, so this has been a long journey. Uh, we first experimented with kind of extracts yeah. pot extracts that were derived from not the the plant itself because that's illegal to do in our industry <laughs> but mirrored some of the flavors you would get from it and it kind of it was too skunky mm-hmm. if you will sure and so we kind of pulled back away from that idea but as we were working on that project, we came up with the idea. Uh, Marcus, our quality controls lab guy, was the one that came up with the the, the name Dank Lloyd Wright, and that's what we use. We've decided to use for the series because Frank Lloyd Wright is from the area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you don't and, know who Frank Lloyd Wright is, yeah, there's a little little play on his. Just name. Google it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's somewhat talented. Yeah. There's a song named after him. Right. Built a Are couple you, houses. Yeah. Just a couple. Couple really famous buildings. Can we try it? No, is that possible? No, we're just gonna look at the Keep label. Talking about it's it. I'm just. It's I, lo- I love the name, and if you don't know what dank means, January first, you, you, you will know you'll know gonna, all you'll about it. You'll find out. <laughs> I kind of hope that when you open this can, like it's like a puff of smoke could come out, like, uh, <laughs> that like would be when awesome. you open the door of a car. If there was a little like powder van. pellet, yeah, <laughs> powder pellet in there, just like we we don't have that kind of budget, guys. <laughs> JP's gonna, oh, look, gonna pour this one. The that's, pressure, the pressure's is, on him. I, I was passing it, passing the buck. Well, before. I, I, I did the first one. You're up now. Here could do the whiskey. Where's the puff of smoke? Right. Smoke did not billow yeah, out the top of no it. First pour is an inch and a half. <laughs> I, can, I can always come. Ooh, back, second right? pour is a little higher. Second pour is an inch and three quarters. <laughs> this is ESP and the Ocho stuff yeah. over here. What's he gonna do with the Bo- third? Bold move. <laughs> Oh, another inch and three quarter. First one, there's this an is inch all solid. He's got a lot of bartending experience in yeah. his past. He does. Ooh, this one looks like two. Ooh, does. Oh, that's that's a two incher. That's Johnny's. Coming for the second pass. Yep. Leveling him off. Leveling us. Leveling it. Leveling it's it. Pretty good. Pretty good. Not nice. perfectly even, but I'll, I'll, acceptable. I'll, I take that to the bank. You want the big one? Well, no, it was my glass. I think oh, that's that an amazing John. first oh, pour. Oh, nice. Perfect. All right, so the Dank Lloyd Wright. Dank Lloyd Wright, what's the ABV on this bad boy? Um, that's a good question. I should know this, right? And this, this series it's will be six out. Six and a half. We are releasing it either Friday or Saturday. So when this gets released, it will be out because we For about release. a week. 
Yeah, so um, these two beers are kind of taproom exclusive. So you, you, if you want them, you got to go to your either to our taproom yeah. or a local bottle shop. Smells smells pineapple. Mm. That's insane. Let's talk about the artwork really quick. Yeah, looks like this like uh, glass window. Yeah. So uh, Frank Lloyd Wright, uh, a lot of his architectural design is very well known for straight edges and he did a lot of stained glass work as well and as you can see in the stained glass-esque artwork a lot of straight lines and then a little bit of an ode to the plant we love that is tasty He's talking about marijuana be. plant right there <laughs> just so we're all clear we, we yeah. all love it <laughs> that is really tasty that is really good it i i get the the hint of the strain even though I've never inhaled the Pineapple Express, and it's a nice hint. Are, it's are not, you lying? It's not overpowering. <laughs> is that a is that a Bill Clinton joke? Uh, it's just a really nice pull. I've smoked it, but I've never inhaled it. I hope my mom's not listening. <laughs> I, I don't care if my dad's listening. I just hope my mom's. <laughs> this is one of the best beers I've ever had. Thank you. No, I'm nine percent, or not nine percent, nine out of ten for me. Four packs will be available at the brewery. Yeah. I'm definitely going to buy some of these. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, I'm buying that for sure. I'll give it a nine as well. Absolutely. Johnny? I'm at a, I'm still at an eight. Uh, I'm not getting an 8.5. <laughs> but I'm talking about Coors Light over yeah, here. I'm still at a solid eight, and a solid eight is a good review by me. Uh, can I ask you a question about the cans? Yeah. Are the one-off cans the ones that have the blue background with y- the different yes. labels? So um, we've, we, I, I brought some uh, Oktoberface. Uh, our Oktoberfest beer for you guys to indulge in lighter. And that is in a 12-ounce silver can. Uh, that's just kind of a blank can that anyone can get. Once in a while, we'll get a 16-ounce silver can just to kind of ac- accentuate so- some of Jordan's artwork. But most of our one-offs are this blue background with the Solomoth, and then we put a, a sticker, a label, over it. It looks great. Yeah. I, I, lo- I love the packaging. So this is a... <laughs> New England style, hazy, double dry hopped, double IPA. Finishes around eight and a half uh, percent. We use Mosaic, Eldorado in it. I know there's some other hops. Sabro, Mosaic, and the Mandarina. Uh, Yeah, Mandarina is uh, a uh, orangish, Mandarin orange flavored German hop. And Sabro is a very new hop. It's kind of have some woody and coconut flavors, which is really cool. Nice. So the artwork on this can is uh, a rat that looks like Zorro. <laughs> it's, a mouse. A mouse that's dressed yeah, as Zorro. A, it's a French. It's a French uh, so he's, mouse. He's very Ooh. French because he's smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, story. The story behind Ghost Mouse is they all work too many hours and once in a while think they see a mouse but never actually have any evidence of seeing a mouse. There's never oh. any droppings. We have. We have pest control come through on a very regular basis, and the traps are never full. So we know, there's, <laughs> we know there's no mouse, and it's just kind of anytime anything goes wrong or something gets misplaced, they blame it on the ghost mouse. It's That's funny. awesome. you got to name so, him. Yeah, exactly. He should have a name. We have a, a name for our ghost at social. His name is Eddie. Uh, what do we got for a- ABV on this? Is 8.5 per eight, what the can says? Eight and a ha- is that what the can says? That's what the can says. Oh, perfect, because that's actually where it turned out to be. Perfect. Can I ask you about determining the ABV? Now, I know that 
the amount of sugar going into yep. it determines that. But when you're testing it, what's the tube and the actual instrument that you're using so, to test the ABV? Uh, we use what's called a hydrometer. Okay. And it basically measures the density of the liquid. Okay. So we'll measure it at knockout, right before it start fermentation. And uh, there's X amount of sugar in solution. And then we measure it at final gravity, uh, which is, that tells us, there's X amount of sugar in solution. And then we have a calculation that we put it through that tells us that it's Y alcohol percentage. Dude, that's awesome. Hmm. This is really tasty and A5 A smooth. I'm trying to still figure out what I'm tasting because it's really good. And I want to say that like there's like a banana sort of like hint in there, but not like, I don't know, like I can't really quite describe it. It's really good. I think this is a little higher than the than the last two that we've Ooh, just had for me I personally. Know, I don't know if I've heard you rate over eight eight and a half for a yeah. beer. This this is. Well, this I'm, I'm going eight point two five. Whoa, whoa, Johnny! Jumping boundaries. <laughs> no, guys, if you're new to the podcast, yes, thank you. Listen through all of them. This is his highest beer score ever. And this, and this is JP's beer. <laughs> is it really? So, absolutely, dude. Yeah. You always say seven five. <laughs> I guess it is true. And I'm, in, I'm in the five and a half. Well, six you're, no, you're always like, oh, this, this is average seven five. Uh, uh, mediocre five. Yeah. <laughs> we used a different yeast strain on this as well. Um, that is definitely more fruit forward uh, than our house yeast yeah. strain. So there's going to be a little bit of fruitiness derived from the yeast. Sorry, a little burp. Yeah, that's, it happens too. <laughs> um, I definitely get a nice citrusy, light tropical, yeah, but a, but a very bright finish. I like the Dank Lloyd right a little bit better, a little bit more because on an overall spectrum, I feel like I could have more of those than I could this. I would have one and then probably be done. Well, yeah, especially if you know the alcohol content. Yeah, the ABV. You got to be aware of that. Exactly. So I, I'm just gonna go, I'm gonna go a little bit lower. I really enjoyed it. I don't want to be aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you, you've got the sweet basement that you can just hang out in. That's right. You're not watching driving, you're not watching old that is true. football videos. Yeah. Slash porn. <laughs> Damn, I could catch that ball. <laughs> do, do you want to say something about that or no? About the videos? No. Uh, I so I'm giving it a 7.5. 7.5? Seven seven five? Yeah. I like this one better than the other one. I would buy a four-pack of this one before I buy the four-pack of the other one, okay. the, the, the Dank Hood, right? We did a segment last week where we brought up bad, brought up bad Yelp reviews, mm. and this... I. There's uh, some most doesn't really have ones that are even worth bringing up because they're all dumb. Uh, <laughs> but I did find one that I thought was really funny. Um, I really hope it's about me. It's not. <laughs> it could be. This lady uh, said that her and her boyfriend stopped in to try some beers. They ended up sitting down by the bar, and uh, they wanted to sit in one of the booths, but it was a little too tight if you're on the plus side, which I thought was really funny. They didn't know there was. They saw an upside down cross, and they didn't know that everyone there was an, were a bunch of antichrists. <laughs> that's in the. That's in there. Really? Is it one star? Uh, two stars. Oh, two, two stars. stars. Okay. Two stars because so, they were able to find seats outside. So of the it would have. It would have been a four star, but you got dinged for the the small booths, and you got dinged for the upside down cross. Yeah, because yeah. they're all they're all uh, they're all devil worshippers. And upside, Our, that upside down cross is pretty prevalent in the yeah, tap room. Yeah, it's, it's very. You it's can't, there. You're not gonna miss no. it. It's if you a, go in the tap room, you're going to see I mean, I don't think that in today's... I mean, Naperville might not be the best place for an upside-down cross, but... Better than Wheaton. Yes, yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> but better than Wheaton. Way better than Wheaton. <laughs> you could say that about a lot of things. <laughs> um, anyway, I thought that was funny. We don't need to defend the, it. I just the, thought it was the, funny. And yeah. the booths, like, they, they seem kind of narrow, but they're, it's not... They're judging Solemn Oath beer 
but they're angry no, they're, about the seats. Yeah, did they yeah. even mention the beer? Yeah, they said it was really good. Oh, well, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. That's so, why you got two stars. Can yeah. I get? Can I get? Like, could they say beers were four stars? Or yeah, that'd be nice if they, they broke it down, right? Yeah, I thought you were saying, can I get an amen? Yeah, I mean, are, are these people from the South? Are they... I don't know. Or, she spelled everything correctly, so probably an not. An upside-down amen. <laughs> well, I mean, Texas has some Nami. decent schools, right? Mm. <laughs> private. <laughs> private some private decent ones. private yeah. schools. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was doing a little research on one-star reviews, too. Yay. <laughs> and uh, I came across one where this guy was, like, totally praising the brewery praising the beers, praising everything about the place. Mind you, you guys have like over 300 reviews and they're all 4.5 plus out of five stars. Like amazing yeah, reviews. We should have started with that. Yeah. You guys have insane <laughs> online reviews. So like last week, we do the one, you know, one star reviews. So this guy said everything great about the place, but he said he bought a six pack there and then went home with the six pack and drank it later and said it was a little flat. So my question is, is like, A, how long did he probably leave it in his car or B, if it was a bad batch, whatever, complain to the actual brewery, why give a one-star rating? Again, they, you say you love the place. You say the beers are great. If something like that happens, yeah, go to re- the place and, reach, and, and out you know, reach out directly to them. Don't, we'll probably fix it. Yeah, don't send out like an, you know, a one-star yeah. review for everybody to see and, and you know, totally bash the place. Yeah. I so totally totally we'll definitely totally do our best agree. to fix that yeah. If, yeah. if you have a bad experience sure. but also had a great experience. We want you to remember that great experience. Right. We're going to try Woodenville from uh, it's uh, 30 minutes northeast of Seattle. It is brand new to the Chicago market. Uh, if you like what we have to say about it, you can check it out in about uh, right about when this podcast drops. So we are trying the bourbon. The rye is only available uh, on premise, so at restaurants. Maze and Mash might get one of those. I haven't yet, I haven't decided yet. I'd like to taste it first. We are drinking a ninety proof bourbon. It is grain to bottle, which means that they uh, they grow all their own grains. They uh, they crush them, they cook them, they ferment them, and they distill them, which is not necessarily very common. We talked about sourcing a lot lately, but MGP or Heaven Hill or George Dickel. Like last, like last, our, the Mammoth was a source product. So this is uh, uh, something I think is unique to uh, the Northwest. A lot of the distillers up there finish their products in uh, wine casks. It's like wine country over there. Um, this is not. So this is what I would consider a very traditional Northwest bourbon. Nice. If I may, what makes a Northwest bourbon than a traditional? What you'd think so, of Kentucky um, or... Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So the um, when you think of products that are aged in Kentucky, you're getting like a ton of oak out of it. The the weather the weather patterns there are really, really even between all four all four seasons. The Northwest gets a little bit like that, but the winters are much colder. It rains a little bit more. So you don't get necessarily as much oak. You catch more of the grain of the spirit, and it takes longer for it to catch that like dark caramel color that uh, we expect out of... Four Roses or Buffalo Trace or Wild Turkey or something like that. Okay. And then, so this product is uh, five years old, where um, like a Wild Turkey will be two years old, but this is, but Wild Turkey will be darker. Yeah. A little bit more interaction with the wood because of the seasons fluctuating? Or? In Kentucky, yes. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, so they, they distill it at their distillery, then they ship it on the other side of the mountain range to uh, where it sort of gets a, li- a little bit different in the forest weather patterns. They think that it, emulates kentucky a little bit more give this a smell but johnny don't shove your nose in it like the beer just give it a little like waft this, right yeah just this is how johnny normally <laughs> yeah, does it absolutely yeah 
Johnny's becoming a local ce- celebrity for all the things that people know about him. I'm not even going near the glass. <laughs> I can smell it from John, here. John's got it down underneath his chair. <laughs> Give it a little sip. You got a two foot straw. This is just like that. Uh, that wild you brought it. That you should judge it on the second or third yeah, sip. Yeah. I can give you some tasty notes, but I'm interested to see what you guys have the what you guys think it tastes so like. So a good position to like smell the essence of the glass, the essence de glass. I think you hold it down by your crotch. Like, and yeah, you hold it. Like, do, you, do you set it on the floor and yeah. stand over it and then smell it? Yeah, you, you got like it. Your balls in it. Yeah, you, you got it. Or do you put it like at your heart and kind of get the waft? Yeah, like if you were in a sports bra, like shove it right there. Excuse me. Like yeah, if you were in a sports great. bra, you just shove it right there. That's right perfect. There. Yeah, you got it. You got it. <laughs> yeah, you want the lip to be underneath your bottom lip, the lip of the glass underneath your bottom lip. While we're sampling this, I do have a question because we're talking about how the seasons affect the process. Why doesn't anybody just create a facility that that does the temperature changes automatically? And you know, what I'm saying like, why why does the area even matter? Why, you, why why wouldn't you have a huge warehouse? That, have you heard the term terroir? No. Very common wine term mm-hmm. saying our wine is the best because our land is the best. Mm. It's terroir is just kind of an encompassing term of this area is the best to to grow grapes, to ferment grapes, to to do that. I think it's kind of in that vein, right? Yeah, they're they're trying to be different. They're trying to be specific to their spot. They want like their Authentic. area to be exclusive. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, with the computers these days, couldn't you just monitor those temperatures throughout the entire like ten year process and then sure, replicate but they would that? Also, they would also cost a lot of money between heating and cooling. Yeah, yeah when, you have, when you have the natural and, elements and, doing it for you. Yeah, I guess and if everyone's doing whiskey, that, it would have to be like two hundred bucks a bottle. If oh, everyone's doing it, it just becomes every everything's the same, yeah. right? Yeah. So without knowing how much this bottle is, I would definitely buy the bottle. I thought it was really good. Like it had an interesting, unique taste to it that I haven't quite hit on before. That oatmeal cookie taste, like uh, for me, like it just yeah, it almost just hit raisiny, me. Yeah, right? like a raisiny oatmeal, oatmeal yeah. cookie taste. It's, it's, it's interesting. I would definitely buy the bottle. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what to rate it, but I'd probably give it like a seven point five. Johnny's got seven five, and he's buying it. JP, what you got on this? Um, I would probably. I would probably give this um, eight. Eight? Solid eight. Awesome. All right. So when you were describing uh, like this five-year whiskey compared to like a two-year wild turkey yep. whiskey, I was kind of hoping it'd be a little bit more flavorful. Sure. The flavor is definitely there. I just thought it was going to be a little bit more and a little bit more unique where I think like some of the like the Michter stuff kind of tastes like this. Okay. It has like almost like a dessert. Uh, I'm gonna give it a seven, uh, and I think that that's kind of low for whiskeys for me. Yeah, I, that's that's kind of low, even though seven's not low on any scale. So I Ga- was saying, Booerns, <laughs> Garrett, the anticipation is killing me. How much is this bottle? The Woodenville. Uh, this should be about fifty bucks. At fifty bucks a bottle. Oh. And like you can to. find this at Benny's Recap. in the next couple of weeks. Recap. When this when yeah when this podcast drops, you should be able to find it at Benny's. Cool. Cool. This sucks because I brought it. It's us. I'm gonna give it six and a half. Uh, <laughs> it still isn't a bad rating. And I wouldn't buy it. I would. No, but if if we're only rating eight plus whiskeys, what's true. the point? That's true. Does anybody else feel like the first taste or two was good, and then like the more you have it, the more you can kind of taste what it really is? Mm-hmm. But on the on the onset of like having the first couple of tastes, there was something interesting there. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah it, it's. Do you maybe maybe that was the anticipation of trying some whiskey after having a bunch of beer? But um, mm. no, I think yeah, you know, I think, I think it actually had it had some almost depth. Yeah. At, at the front end, but then yeah. 
some some other flavors kind of overpowered at the end. If this is a five year after two and a half years, if they pulled it and put it in a different barrel, mm-hmm. um, what that would taste like. Another interesting thing about this is most bourbon that we're drinking goes into the barrel at 125 proof. It's kind yeah. of industry standard. This goes in at 110, so they proof it. They end up adding less water to get it down to 90 proof than a normal one. So you're going to catch more of the um, more of the mash bill. Okay. Um, so what, when the rye does come out. I'm drinking it. We should probably get it and allow them the yeah. fair opportunity to have a different... I agree. We should at least bring it another up. Opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. So not not a great review for Woodenville after we uh, had four shots of Rumplemints and 12 beers. But the average came out to seven and a half. Which isn't bad. Which is... That's not bad. Right on par. That's right. Yeah. So thanks for bringing that in, G. Uh, we're going to wrap up this podcast. JP, thank you so much for joining us. It's been thanks a pleasure. for having me. Beers are fantastic. Keep making those good beers. We'll keep drinking them. Uh, for you listeners out there, thanks for listening. We couldn't do this without you guys. Uh, thanks to our friends and our family that support us throughout this. Also, uh, we have some big news coming up. We're going to be recording with Few Spirits out of Evanston, uh, an awesome distillery that really focuses on gin and rye whiskey. We're going to be doing a two-part series with them. We're actually taking the podcast on the road to Evanston. Which Take is, it to the streets. Which is only about a 45-minute drive, but that's on the road, right? Thanks for joining us today, guys, and join us on the next podcast. Cheers. 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 Later. First of all, we'd like to thank all of our listeners, families, and friends that support us throughout this. We couldn't do this without you. Subscribe to us on iTunes and check out exclusive content at our website, SippingSocialPodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook. If you like this podcast, tell your friends about us. A huge thank you to our producer, John, in the Underground Studio. A shout-out to our boy, Johnny Perona and Davenport Ed. That's the rockin' music you're hearing in the background. Thanks again, and we look forward to the next cocktail with you. Are we living in a bizarre world right now? Y- yes. We've had, a, we've had computer issues. You know, we started late. <clears throat> now we're drinking whiskey out of the beer glasses. The beer glasses were... The beers were served whiskey. in whiskey glasses. No, this oh. is my whiskey glass. I'm great to raise <laughs> my whiskey glass. Let's just load it up. I mean, where's the rumplements? Jeez. Jesus. John, are you light on Coors Light over yeah, are, there? Are we doing... Uh, Let me check that empty Coors Light. Should we all get a Coors Light in a rumplement shot? Yeah. For sure. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Three quarter of the way through. Rumplements. I just like to note that Garrett didn't have one, Molly. <laughs> uh, Mike didn't have one either, Kate. <laughs> he definitely had five. <laughs>